Welcome to No Compromises, a peek into the mind of two old web devs who have seen some things. This is Joel. And this is Aaron. Aaron, I know you're a fan of just jumping feet first into the, the, the new hotness, shiny tool. Oh, oh, yeah. If it's shiny, give it to me. 0.0x. Like, no. But... There, there is a like a churn I've we've all seen in in web development of, of tools coming and going, mm-hmm. and maybe it's not even a tool, maybe it's a package. Um, but I thought today we could talk about sort of our method for evaluating that, and, and just kind of our approach to when is it time to to replace a tried and true tool with something new. Yeah, never never new things. Let's just keep it. <laughs> I just want to do functional PHP inside of my HTML. And I just, I want HTML 3.02, so I have to make all it takes capital. Oh, oh, what was the question you asked? (laughs) All right. I guess we're going to have a little bit of an uphill battle here. No, I mean, I don't don't know if you want to get into like some specific tools. It might be easier to discuss this. Do you you have such a tool in mind or should I I pitch one to you? Well, I'm going to pick on a different ecosystem. I'm going to say the uh, NPM versus Yarn. Sort of uh, thing. All right. So first of all, I should say that, you know, with my assumptions, they're all assumptions. They're based off of some of the facts that I've used them, but I'm not a yarn. I I didn't make the package yarn. I don't I don't spend a lot of my time in in node land and all that kind of stuff. So I, you know, I'm well, uh, welcome for you to tweet at Joel and tell him how wrong (laughs) I am. Okay. Wow, that was quite the hedge. That's that's good. <laughs> but but no. Um. So I remember uh, historically npm would install um, your packages, but it didn't have a lock file as mm-hmm. we're so used to now. Okay. Um. And so the problem there is you could specify, you know, your semantic versions that you're willing to accept. But let's just say you did like carrot four. You're going to get, you know, 4.0.3 on one uh, install and then 4.1 the next time because that's the new packages. So it it solved the issue, which is like I kept in your semantic versioning you requested, mm-hmm. but it never sort of locked down. So if you wanted to lock down, you had to put the specific patch versions in there to make sure that NPM installed, you know, what it was supposed to. So that was that was one issue. So, so first of all. That sounds horrible to me, and I don't remember that era. But like, just just out of curiosity, did people commit their node modules to like the repo then, or like they just lived with the versions drifting? Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly, but I, okay. I do remember like you know it was you, you got more down to like if you need something specifically or you're worried putting the patch version. Oh, okay, yeah, just be more specific as to what you're, yeah. you're targeting. Yeah. Okay, all right, I, a little aside there. You, yeah, the, the other thing was was our the ecosystem back then was uh, there was a lot less caching. You know, there was a lot less of these services available where everything is kind of you know distributed and all that kind of stuff. So uh, an npm install even now takes some time, but it took quite some time back then mm. uh, because you know slower server setups, all this different stuff. And so there was a new tool that came out called Yarn, which meant to solve a number of these things. It had uh multi-threaded downloads you mm-hmm. know it could unzip multiple things at, at a time i think um it wrote its own yarn.lock file um so it would basically do what we now know is the right thing to do <laughs> right okay and so all these different things and and um i you know it there was a lot of use I, honestly i didn't i didn't adopt it as soon as i should have okay. because i didn't spend a lot of time in the javascript world so i didn't really understand 
their issues. It was yeah. basically like Composer without a lock file. Like when I first started using Composer, there was a huge question like, do you commit your lock file or not? Oh, sure. Yep. And I, like looking back at that, that's crazy Like that we had that conversation. <laughs> of course you commit your lock file. Yeah. Like what's 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 the deal here? So, um, you know, Yarn was a tool that solved a lot of the problems that we were looking at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so people started using that a lot more. And, and you know, it was it was sort of compatible. It was mainly compatible, if not 100% compatible with the NPM sort of world and, you know, all that. Uh, but as time went on, NPM started getting better and better and better. Um, and it basically addressed all of the issues. Yeah that um i had that i had or that people had i mean there's probably there, i'm sure there's a lot more that i'm i'm kind of glossing over but the point is as time went on they learned from other packages you know npm learned from yarn did things better and now i'm using npm again because it is the older granddaddy yeah you know uh, of everything it's been <laughs> sure. around longer and it was the reason or it was the way that everything was set up so i'm going back to the source because it now has the tool sets i need instead of going down in some little fork. Now, there's probably more stuff being brought into to yarn than I know about. Okay. But it's it's not it's not solving any problems for me. Right. So I'm going back to the yeah. more traditional tool set because in, in the last couple of years it solved any of the problems I had. And it's the traditional one that things are aimed for. The rest of the things are kind of an add-on. Right. Yeah. I mean it's kind of an interesting topic or th- this is an interesting example because Yarn is meant to be essentially a drop-in replacement, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's it works even even if the implementation details are different, it's supposed to do the same thing. Yeah. NPM install and yarn install are supposed to do the same thing. And and I I don't know, like, are there things you can't do if you start using yarn? I don't think so, right? Like it's it's fully compatible. Maybe there's some weird edge case. Yeah, that's that's the core of of the argument or the discussion yeah. I'm having here is that there's probably a few things in both sets of tools. That you can either do or can't do yeah. with that tool. Very small, unique edge cases. But um, why introduce the edge cases of I'm not able to do something if right. I don't need to introduce that? And why introduce more features than I need? Because more features is more surface for things to go wrong and you know yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So maybe the less said for this one is like if you just stay on the old tool tool long enough it'll fix the problems <laughs> and you just don't have to move. But uh, I, it either it either fixes it or it goes away. It goes away, right? Yeah. Because I, I think recently I even brought this up. <laughs> it, be, if I recall, there was a project we joined that had both a package lock and a yard lock. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, I think it's pretty easy to agree. You shouldn't have both, right? Like you shouldn't have some people on your team using yarn and some using NPM. Like that, it just seems chaotic to me. And, but we looked at it. It's like, oh, you know, is yarn worth, which one are we going to pick? And, and we, mm-hmm. we we went with NPM for all the reasons you just said. But um, yeah, please don't use both. I think that's a pretty safe, <laughs> non-controversial topic. But I don't want to just pick on like JavaScript. Sure. And there seems to be a lot of, to me, there seems to be a lot more of, you know, tools moving around, a lot more excitement in that ecosystem yeah. compared to Laravel and PHP. But there are PHP packages and things like that, which we've had to consider too. Oh, I have I have one in mind. And that I, and I will name names here. So th- this this one has to do with enforcing a coding standard. And for a long time, you and I liked PHP code sniffer. Mm-hmm. And there were some philosophical reasons for that. I don't we don't I don't know how deeply we want to go into this right now. But the basic idea is code sniffer was primarily to report on issues, and you had to fix them. Whereas the other big 
tool in the PHP space is PHP CS Fixer. These names are so similar, I hate it. But mm -hmm. um, its philosophical approach was like, fix stuff. Like if, if you know what's wrong and it's a tool and it can fix it, just fix it. And for various reasons, we preferred the other approach. But well, well, I, I think I think I can add some context here. Okay. You know, we, we talk a lot about how both you and I have different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. So I came from a place where I had multiple developers a lot of times. Um, I also have a passion. I hope people can see this for teaching developers. I want to help make them better. Sure. And I want to install instill good values, especially in our junior programmers that are like, there's just so much information there. How do they decide yeah. what to do? So many people are pulling it. You say you're a programmer. You're like, oh, great. Fix my million dollar thing. You're like, oh, I just, I'm just learning, you know? Um, right. So I, I had this passion for like kind of making things a little bit more harder and teaching people the proper way. Yeah. And then after that, you can pick the tool sets that you want or whatever. Mm -hmm. So not only there was some, at the time that we picked a tool, there was some, you know, feature differences. But for me, it was more about, in my mind, since I worked with developers with pull requests and all kind of stuff, I wanted them to be responsible for all code. Because I wanted them to understand that everything they do had a reason. Yeah. And everything they did had some impact. And I never wanted to hear that, well, that's just what the tool did. Like, oh. even to these days, if you say <laughs> right. that to me, you better no. watch out. I've learned. But, but yeah, I mean, obviously, um, code sniffer could apply some fixes, not all of yeah. them. Yeah. But that, that, that was probably one of the reasons why I picked that tool. And with, 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 uh, um, CS Fixer, you can do a dry run and you can do a check sure. and all those different things too. Yeah. So, uh, but it was just the default sort of mentality or process yes. thinking that was right for where my context was coming from. Yeah. And, and, Right. And and again, I think over time, this is another example of tools kind of converging because they both have the opposite flag now where you can mm -hmm. run them in whatever mode you want. But um, one other reason we liked Code Sniffer was there was that um, third party package, Slovamat, which just mm -hmm. had like almost every rule I would ever think of, like, oh, it'd be great if we could enforce this. Like they, it was built. So by that, the way, I hope I hope the pronunciation isn't like Slovmo. Or something like that we're just like totally like butchering it i i, I hope so too um <laughs> that's a good point but so we did recently like very recently within the last few months make the switch and start using cs fixer instead and in this case like we, we had some very specific reasons and and i i, I mean we'll share them that's not the, necessarily the point of this episode to convince you <laughs> the listener to switch if you're using code sniffer but just our thought process through it. It wasn't like, oh, let's just do it. You know, it was like, there was a reason for it. So one thing I really liked about PHP CS Fixer is that its configuration was actually done with PHP, right? Whereas mm -hmm. in Code Sniffer, it was an XML file. And it's not about, oh, XML is gross and old, but it's about being able to maybe like dynamically do things. Um, and, and, this, the switch we made also is in the context of trying to build our own official standard that we use across our projects. And being able to do that in PHP is a lot easier than kind of layering it on with, with an XML file and a bunch of rules and, and then maybe some PHP underneath the hood in Code Sniffer. So that, that was one of the big ones for me. Would, would you agree with that, that shift? Well, I, I would. And it's funny because you mentioned that, uh, that was, I was a big holdout because I'm going to go back to some of the JavaScript world. Mm -hmm. I was a big fan of Grunt as a build tool. And then Gulp came along. And so the difference between those two, I mean, many, many differences. 
But yep. one was like a configuration with files and the other one was JavaScript. Gulp, you know, you could do JavaScript yep. configuration. And now that seems to be either JSON files or JavaScript, you know, exports. It seems to be the, the way to configure JavaScript tools now. But at the time I was enamored with Grunt's way of doing stuff, which is it's just configuration. You don't have to write code, even though I'm a programmer. Um, <laughs> sure. and, and so those the XML file really felt nice because in in my mind, I was like, well, this is a different language than PHP mm-hmm. so that um, it's just configuration and we don't have to worry about any code standards in our code standard configuration and all those different things. And, yeah. and um, but as I realized, as, as we looked up uh, there, there, for me, at least there was no difference once I just opened my mind. I'm like, well, they're just tools. So what, what's the big deal? Like pick right. if, if one has one type of configuration versus the other, doesn't really matter what's what yeah. does a tool actually do. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's true. I mean, it's I, I don't know if I would necessarily rule a tool out just based on how it was configured. But it, in this case, the fact that it was PHP made what we wanted to do with it mm-hmm. a little bit easier. It, it wouldn't have been impossible with uh, Code Sniffer, but it was certainly easier with CS Fixer. Um, the other thing too is that over time, CS Fixer added more and more rules. Right, so that idea oh, we can't do this in one, but we can do it in the other. That, I don't want to say it went away, but it, it was diminished. And so that was less of a reason to to not use that tool. And then I guess maybe, I, I don't know if you're going to agree with this, Aaron, um, HP CS Fixer is more widely used in the Laravel world, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's it's the default, like even if you're using Laravel Pint, Pint, I, let's, I don't know. Um, Pint, I think. Cause I Lint, think you're right. Lint. I think it is, yeah, yeah. Pint versus Lint. But it's using PHP CS Fixer under the hood. So we don't necessarily pick something just because it's the default, but I, I do think like we would have, we would want to have a strong reason to deviate from the default. We like doing things a way that will be familiar to maybe the developer that joins after us or the client's team that we're going to hand something off to. And so that that was part of the the thought process as well. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of reasons why you might not just reach for the shiny Mm-hmm. We, you know, we covered a, a few here, but that's yeah. really kind of the concept is, is think about it as like, okay, so what is this new thing going to give us that we actually need? Right. Um, you know, if, if you don't, if you're just curious about it, don't work it into one of your clients or your, your <laughs> um, company's projects. Yes. Do a little side little project and, mm-hmm. and try it out. So, you know, I have a number of different folders in my like sites area in my projects area, which were like a Laravel 10 install or Laravel 9 install or something like that, where I installed it, used Valley just to run it because I'm just, mm-hmm. just trying to do something real quick. And I put in a tool set, um, you know, I want to try out. Maybe it's a new um, SPATIE package. I, I know. I, I, know, I, I know how that's pronounced because they just, there was just a tweet where it was two words and there were pictures. Spa yeah. C. Spassi. Okay. Yeah. Now you'll never um, forget. A, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, when it's a spassi package or, or, you know, whatever, and just to try it out for a little while first with your own kind of messing stuff around and see if it's actually going to, you know, be worthwhile because all those, all, all these different new tools too are little loads on our understandings of stuff. Yeah. Even if it, it helps you, it's our job is to solve the business problems and, and get revenue <laughs> in the door. Cause that's how we get paid. Right. Um, and then these little things we can kind of do to figure out if they're going to save us time. But you need to figure that out as a good responsible programmer, not just hope. <laughs> that's a good that's a good strategy. 
Aaron, I respect your opinion on coding questions. So I thought I'd bring, bring to you a, uh, a question from outside the coding world. What is your opinion on how seriously I should take the expiration date on some food that's in my refrigerator? Well, it depends on the food. And it All depends right. on how close and how close your bathroom is. Oh. It depends on your budget. Okay. It depends on who's in the house at the time, two to three hours after you're going to eat that food. Oh boy. Um, I wasn't even thinking of this. Yeah, there's a lot to consider with this question. What kind of what kind of expiration or food are you talking about? Well, let's let's take a uh, simple one. Milk. Well, I don't drink milk. You don't drink milk. Eggs. Oh. Um do they have expiration date? Oh yeah, they do. Oh, just to clarify for those who are not in the United States, we wash our eggs and that like messes them up somehow. I don't wash my eggs. No, that's because that's why you have to keep them in the fridge. Mm. Like in other countries or if you have a home, you you don't have to put them in a fridge. Oh, just just grab the butt nugget, put it in a thing and it's fine. You have like a a bowl of eggs on your counter? Yeah. Okay. I mean, so not now. I don't have my own chickens, but I'm just saying, like back oh. in the day, you don't, you don't, you, need, you don't need to fridge them, but we do here. Okay. So right, I think so. that's probably why there's expiration dates. But I yeah. mean, I guess eggs do expire. I'm sure there's people who know what the heck they're talking about here that are just like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. So, so like for example, here, here's my take on it. If I look at the the eggs and it's they expired yesterday, I'd be eating those eggs, like like with the provision. That they don't like look visibly bad, or like you crack the shell and like, there's something horrible going on in there. Uh, but can't you put them in water too? And like if they float or they sink, one of the two, it tells you if they're bad or not. I think that's uh, how you determine somebody's a witch. <laughs> no, you build a bridge out of them. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, I'll give you an extreme story. Um, I was at a friend's house, and you know what? And this friend didn't have a lot of money, and we we were hungry. And he had a dozen eggs in his fridge. How how old were you? Twenty. I was young. Oh, okay. Okay. I, uh, and say, I, I'm pretty certain you only have rich friends now with your heated bathroom oh, floors and on. stuff like that. These eggs had expired six months ago. All right, and I was a little leery. We ate them; they were fine. Like I, you. Yeah. And so I guess like it just kind of changed my whole opinion on like, is this a scam? Like if you open up milk, cheese. I'm listing all the things Aaron probably doesn't like: sour cream. Like, you know, they're bad. Like, you don't, you don't even have to get your nose in there. Like, if they're bad, it's, but, all right. So How can you tell if sour cream is bad? Because you just think it's bad all the time? Yeah, well, it's sour cream, right? I mean, isn't it always, it, it just gets more sour? It's like, how do you know blue cheese is bad? It gets oh. more moldy? Blue cheese is a tough one. Sour cream, if it has mold on it, then you probably don't want to eat it. <laughs> okay, so you're, I, I, I still didn't get a read from you, Aaron. Are you in the camp that you would lend credence to an expiration date and maybe throw something away, even if it didn't look bad just to be on the safe side or where, where do you come down? It depends on it. Like okay. meats, <clears throat> like, you know, um, meats, I guess. Yeah. Meats. Meats. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'll, um, don't, don't, I can make you an old omelet, but not an old steak. Mm-hmm. Do you want good coding standards for your project, but you just don't know where to begin? Then head over to our GitHub repo, github.com slash no compromises, and check out our PHP CS Fixer config. 